Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman. With me this week is Joe Lupton. Hey, Bruce. Hey, Joe. How you doing? Uh, hanging um, in there? Yeah, just barely, I think. Um, <laughs> it's close so, to a long weekend, I think. So we're going to be a little giddy on this call. Not only because of that, we've gotten a lot to. Not because of the data. <laughs> not because of the data. Well, let's talk about where we are. Obviously, uh, this is a week where we've gotten important data. We're shifting our forecast in a number of places uh, just to kind of uh, steal the thunder from the conclusion to this note. We've taken this this call. We've taken down our U.S. and Western European growth forecasts, um, but it wasn't a data data week where everything went in the wrong way. So, why don't you kind of you know in your uh, effective synthesis fashion give us a sense of how you read the data for this week? I was trying to think what you thought was up this or what was positive this week. I, I don't think we had a lot of positive. Well, the, the output PMI was up, the China data. Well, well okay. So you want to you wanna start with the deceptive headline. I Yeah, I agree. So if you, if you, you want to look at the headline PMI, it was up in June and it was uh, that really surprised us because we knew the flash PMIs for June for the developed markets were down. So I think we were expecting we knew China was going to be up something and maybe you'd be down only a little bit on the global. Instead, we were up a, a good bit, but that was entirely because China soared 13 points on the PMI. So China's clearly in rebound mode. And that's that's that will have a positive impulse, particularly to Asia. But I think as soon as you scratch below the surface of the June PMIs, it gets pretty, pretty ugly, pretty grim, and, and pretty concerning. And in against a backdrop of where we feel like a lot of the other demand indicators are softening and we keep flagging recession risks, as we noted in the in a put out a piece this week on. Um, I think things I ended last week, I think, saying things are brittle. I think things are probably more brittle uh right now. So almost probably about 12 of the 21 countries had declines in the output PMIs. If you strip out China, you saw a decline in the output PMI. But I think really more concerning is the fact that you're seeing new orders really collapse, inventories bouncing quite strongly. And that's a build in inventories that maybe a few months ago we would have said is something that is a positive and we need to build inventories and that's going to support growth because of inventories were lean. This feels a lot more like kind of desperation, weakening final demand and inventories are just growing as a, as a result of weak demand. And when you look at the new orders to inventory ratio of the PMIs, uh, it's, you and I were arguing about this, it's pretty, maybe not recession levels, but it's a pretty ugly number. It's pointing to outright contraction in, in global industrial production. So global industry is looking grim. Uh, I'll, I'll stop there because I think there's a list of things, a litany of kind of soft data points that we had this week. Uh, but I, I don't know if you had a different spin on the PMIs. No, I probably wouldn't use quite the same adjectives because I think um, the um, momentum in manufacturing is troubling, but the idea that manufacturing is soft here is not a, a big surprise. And I think we do have the question mark of what degree is the weakness elsewhere a leading edge of what's going to happen, or is in some ways some of it reflecting what happened in China and is going to turn around. Um, I actually think- If this were all- I'm not saying it's all, all not saying by any means is it all, but if it has some component to the China lag, 
it might be overstating the uh, the degree to which things uh, shifted down. That's the only point I'm trying to make. We don't know that. Right, but that's coming against a backdrop of what we think is continued softening in data, global good spending, flat to down over the last couple months. Uh, yes, services are doing a bit better, but on net, obviously things are looking a bit more grim. You noted the U.S. downward, downward revision, and you know, and that we're just starting the buzzsaw of inflation pressures, which we think are only building, particularly with some of the risks that we we know we noted this week in our research from the commodities team that. Uh, you know, risks are skewing to a pretty, uh, pretty sharp rise in oil prices. Um, so I, yeah, I, I'm getting well, let's, pretty let's be concerned careful. Let's be things. careful here because I think you're, what you're saying is important, but it's not being expressed clearly. Uh, I don't think we're just starting with the buzz for inflation pressures. We've been living with intense inflation pressures for the last uh, uh, six to nine months. I don't think the inflation pressures are intensifying. They're just not coming off in a meaningful way. And then, as you noted, um, even as we would expect, and I think it's reasonable now to expect uh, the downdraft in global demand, in, in, at least in goods, to take pressure off pricing, the big concern is that we get hit with another shock here from the energy space. It's not one that we've gotten yet, but certainly you're already starting to see some pressures in the wholesale natural gas prices in Europe. And there is a risk here that Russia retaliates to a potential um, a uh, price cap that might be put on by the G7, uh, and that would uh, push uh, crude oil prices uh, a lot higher. So, you know. But I think that's the risk, Bruce. I mean, I think you can say that uh, you're right. I mean, we've been in a buzzsaw, so I don't want to under undermine that. There, what, what's shocking is that we've been living with these shocks. It's body blow after body blow. And it does feel like you're saying things could come off, and it uh, that has been our forecast. I think, at least to me, what it feels like is, you know, our new baseline is that things don't come off as much, and that's making us concerned. But what I'm worrying about this week is that may, they may not even come off at all, right? We're still talking about $6 a gallon on gasoline. We've been saying that for a month now. I don't think that's embedded in our forecast. In fact, I know it's not. If you talk to our U.S. team, that is not well, embedded in our I forecast. Think I think the bigger problem is Our commodities team still that, thinks it's going up. I think the bigger problem is that whatever happens on on inflation, if it stays high, it's an additional supply shock. If it comes off, it's telling you that demand is weaker. I think that's the the issue right now is that either way, it's it's whatever the inflation news does, it's a reflection of of poor economic performance, either adding on top of uh, uh, the already significant uh, pressure points or starting to see those pressure points being reflected in the way that inflation is coming off. So I think in some ways, um, the issue at this point is the idea that we've got the intensity of shocks. We can see the momentum downward. The question is whether or not we are going to break. This is really not no longer, I think, a, a debate about whether we can um, maintain our forecast of uh, global growth getting back above trend, the issue is whether we can avoid um, the recession and instead have something that would be more akin to a mid-cycle slowing. And I think uh, that bar is pretty low because in, even in the better case scenario, uh, we're talking about something like 1% US growth, 1% 1, 1 or so Western European growth for the next six months or so. So that's already a significant downgrade 
on where we were a few months ago on this. That is our baseline now, right? We've kind of lowered to that to that point of a, of a growth recession. In a sense, we had strong second half growth rebound was our baseline in the face of resilience and shocks that faded in the second half. Those shocks are no longer fading, not nearly as much as we thought, and maybe, as we were just debating, maybe even getting worse. And therefore, we have lowered things to a growth recession and as you're saying, well, I don't know why I would use the word. I wouldn't use the word recession with regard to well, this I, I said growth recession. I mean, it, let's just say if I define growth recession as something where you're kind of running for a couple quarters below trend, um, you know, that we're still growing, but it's pretty darn soft. Uh, and that's like a new, as you said, lower bar. And then the next rung down there is going to be is going to be outright recession. Yeah, I just would keep those words separate because I think they mean very different things. So, yeah, I think I call it a mid-cycle slowing, which means we're growing below trend. I mean, I want to emphasize that with our growth forecast, we still have U.S. job growth running 100,000 or so a month uh, for the next two or three quarters, which, by the way, by the underlying estimates, is you not mean that's enough. Our, that's, that's our forecast. That's our forecast, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so we'll see. And we do have a forecast for next week for 275,000 increase. We'll see what we get there. Uh, so I think the issue here is, are we going to break rather than bend into this uh, slower growth phase? Um, and that, I think, is... What should a, we be watching, Bruce? Um, I think we're, we're supposed to watch businesses. And in that sense, um, the... Um, you know, the story I think on next week is somewhat of a mixed bag. I do think it is obviously the case that if we get the kind of employment growth we're looking at, it's a it's a positive. Hiring is still play, taking place. Labor income is still strong. Um, we have will have finished the first half of the year where um, households really got very big benefits from the labor market. But the problem is with the GDP numbers so low and even accounting for significant pricing, um, I think profits are falling, and uh, I think we're basically absorbing the fact that we have weak GDP growth and not a recession on the corporate income side. Uh, and I think that's where we have to worry. Uh, corporate sentiment is starting to slip. Uh, the dynamics on uh, uh, spending have been okay so far, but and we had actually a pretty decent durables report this week for the U.S. for May. Uh, but the risk is here that things do um, do start to 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 really take a step down. And if that were to happen, if it would hit the labor market more severely than the bending that's embedded in our forecast, then you have a, a, a clearly different dynamic in place. And, and there's, there's elements of that story, which I think play out in the Western European scene, perhaps not as uh, directly on employment, but the labor market gets hit anyway you go if if businesses are pulling back. The problem is all that data is very, in these, in these moments where you're kind of looking for something to break, all that data is very backward looking from a reporting sense. Well, uh, you know, think... weekly claims, I think, are probably something that you would you'd want to keep an eye on a bit more closely. Yeah, we've um, uh, we've talked about that. And I think I think claims are a good indicator. I think in my mind, if we were breaking hard towards something like 275 in the next two, three months, that would be recession like if we're gra gravitating towards 240. Uh, to 50 and we sort of settle there, that's more more consistent, I think, with the kind of baseline forecast Mike now has in his um, in his outlook. And, you know, we can track that. Claims get very choppy in early July around uh, factory shutdowns. 
Um, and uh, we're just going to have to look at that against the backdrop of the other other news that we see. Um, well, I was just going to say the sensitivity of the of the Fed to all of this, and they they've got to look at the same data we're looking at. And you know, I was I was kind of laughing. You know, Powell put so much data sensitivity to one month of CPI report and the one month of the Michigan survey when that expectations, 10, five, 10 year expectations came back down. <laughs> Does he say, oh, well, I guess we don't need to do 75 now because that came back down given the weight that he gave it in terms of driving the 75, they kind of put themselves in that, in that box or is that just, uh, you know, they're, they're going to do 75 here and they're going to have to see something more material breaking, uh, you know, in the next month or so. I think there's two there's two points here. One is, I think given what we're expecting next week and given what we're expecting from the CPI report with this strong payroll gain and a very large uh, June inflation increase, uh, I think the Fed will probably go 75. It's possible that they'll uh, start to respond to what, what we're getting concerned about and uh, and take a step back to 50. But it feels like the data flow we're going to see and what they've told us so far uh, points to 75. Um, that said, I do think you will be after the next meeting if we get that 75 with the 250 ceiling on the Fed policy rate. Uh, you'll be, uh, if we're right, seeing more downward momentum in the economic data. And I think at some point here, I've been saying somewhere around 3%, you would think that that gets the Fed to be more sensitive to the, to the growth disappointments. And I still feel that way. I certainly feel, um, if anything, somewhat um, more confident in that view. But I feel more confident in that view because I think the growth momentum is more clearly downward um, as we as we look towards the next uh, uh, two or three months. But I still think we're a little ways from that, especially given the data we're going to see. The thing you have to grapple with there is the fact that they actually are looking for a four tenths rise in the unemployment rate. Yeah, but they're looking for, I think I think this is an important point in the whole storyline. They're looking for a four-tenths unemployment rate played out over two and a half years. They're not yeah. looking for- a Where growth doesn't get very weak. Exactly. They're not looking to see the unemployment rate go down four-tenths in the next three to six months. And I think that, yeah. will, that will change their dynamic. Because as we know, that is a story as we're worrying now, when you start to see that momentum slip, that you lose control of it, that the economy does start to have this retrenchment dynamic that- that takes you into a, a real contraction. Um, I think in um, in this context, I think the other thing to just mention here is what you were saying up front, and to to get that storyline up front here, which is, um, you know, if we do have another material energy price shock, we're toast. I mean, it's hard to argue in this environment that we can handle that much more straws on the camel's back. And there is this risk that's playing out here that we will have another significant set of uh, shocks here. So why don't we end on that bright note, Joe? Take us home with that. Well, I mean, look, I, I as I said up front, I think the move to $6 a gallon uh, in the U.S., I mean, Natasha started talking about that almost six weeks ago, it feels like. And I think the second she said that, I was in your office saying like, Bruce, I don't know if the consumer can tolerate that. I think the, the risks of recession are really going to go up in that environment. And the last six weeks have been nothing but rising recession risks. So yeah. I, that, yeah, that... yeah just to keep in mind that the last uh, at least uh, two or three weeks has been falling wholesale gasoline prices. 
So that, I, that's right. That I, I think you not... made a really good point there, though, Bruce, that we're in a we're in a weird nexus of kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't on inflation, right? Inflation moving up is just one more thing to kind of hurt the outlook. Inflation moving down and that movement down in gasoline is likely a reflection of demand coming down. And is, right, is but something... it's not necessarily a reflection that we entered. I mean, there's a trade-off here that around the end, there's no doubt in my mind that right. inflation is the soft landing. Because... Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But, but there, the, the risk you're talking about, which is that independent of the demand side, that the supply, product supply stuff is strong enough to get us to six, I think is still there as a risk, but it's not where the market is moving in the last few years. Well, the nature of the, the risk has changed, right? It's not about crack spread anymore. It's about this Russia oil. Exactly. It's coming back to oil, right? And and the idea of caps on what the US and Europe is going to pay for Russian uh, Russian oil, and then the potential retaliation of Russia kind of cutting off its nose to spite its face because it needs the revenues, but it will say, you know, fine, you you we won't take the revenue and we're going to push the global economy into recession. And it would. If, if oil goes to 150, I think we wrote a piece earlier this year saying if oil goes to 150, we, we could be in recession. Was it or was it last year? <laughs> I don't remember. It was, I believe, in 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 a month before the Russian invasion, but yeah. um, end of January. But, right. So um, that's a concern, and the TTF price, natural gas prices, is also a concern. That's kind of been a creeping story that we we haven't been paying as much attention to, but it's that that uh, could also come back to bite us. So I think all this stuff is just that's an important story that right now. There is the the risk of the caps and the possibility of Russian retaliation on exports. That is a risk, and we we should be tracking that. There is a reality on the other side of the of the ocean that Russia has cut back on natural gas supply. Uh, wholesale prices for natural gas are running something close to fifty percent above our forecast right now. Uh, we have taken something off of European growth, but it may not be enough. And and just keep in mind that uh, uh, the UK is part of the story here, where right now, given what natural gas's price is doing, given the way the price setting mechanism goes, it looks like uh, September, October, we're going to get a pretty big pop in consumer energy bills uh, as a result of that. So in some ways, as you're saying, we moved away from crack spreads a little bit to Russian uh, actions. And the Russian is acting right now on the natural gas side, which is putting what is now Maybe. tangible pressure Maybe. on Europe. Well, natural gas supply is off, whether it'll stay no, off. No, they are, but when you say they're acting, there's this whole political yeah. intrigue of what's going on there. Okay, let's, let's well, let's, we'll Canadian we'll turbines it. and sanctions and. <laughs> we will leave it, leave it there before we get ourselves into too much trouble. On, on that note, uh, we'll leave. Remember, we are looking next week uh, for the, uh, that payroll report, which would be, I think, again, uh, encouraging, but also indicative of the fact that corporates are getting a hit here. And uh, that is the place we need to pay attention to in the next few months to see if the the U.S. and and, and a decent amount of the uh, issue around whether the global economy hold, holds in here. And our so first that, read on global services for the, the global the, services PMI will be out uh, as well. That'll be important for June. Yep. Okay, so we'll we'll leave it there and uh, hope everybody has a good holiday weekend in the States and hope everybody is uh, not too sick of us and will come back and listen to us next week. Yeah.
on JP Morgan TV. Take care.